Well, I've been teaching a series from the book of Revelation uh, that I called Visions That Give Hope. We want you to have hope. We want your heart to be filled with hope. God wants you to have hope. He wants your heart to overflow with hope. The book of Revelation, and especially these last few chapters, tell us that we have a glorious, happy future with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth, in resurrected bodies, with no tears and with no evil. But some may wonder, is this that helpful for me now? Well, yes, it is. The message of the Bible is that the glory of heaven will so compensate for our losses and pain here that we can rejoice now in the future glory God has for us. For example, Jesus said, count yourself blessed or happy because the meek will inherit the earth. Revelation uh, 5.10, the 24 elders are singing to Christ in heaven. By your blood you purchased men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them kings and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Who will be reigning or ruling upon the earth? Those purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Who is that? That is us. If you believe and know and are united to Christ by faith. How does that affect us now? We are blessed or happy or at least we are supposed to consider ourselves we're supposed to think we are Uh, jesus said blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied Uh, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the son of man rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven so When will we see God? In heaven. When will we be completely satisfied? When is our reward great? In heaven. But when are we supposed to rejoice and leap for joy? Now. In that day that you're persecuted. So we are blessed or happy now based on our future privileges and glory. Oh, and there's one more that I left out that I want to mention before we get to Revelation 22. Jesus said, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. When will we laugh? In heaven. Martin Luther said, if the earth is fit for laughter, then surely heaven is filled with it. Heaven is the birthplace of laughter. So we get through our tears now, And consider ourselves blessed because someday we are going to laugh a lot when we eat and feast with the other saints and with Christ in heaven. In other words, what you believe about heaven will determine much of your present joy. It has everything to do with your present attitude and perspective on life. So as we come to Revelation 22, we have already seen that God will create 
a new heaven and a new earth. And we have seen a new city, the holy city Jerusalem, coming down from heaven in stunning beauty and glory. God himself comes down to live with us on the new earth in his new city. And last week, we looked at eight blessings of the new Jerusalem, the new city. And this week, we're going to look at ten more glorious experiences that God has for us in his heavenly city. First, we will experience the fullness of the life of God in the new city. Verse 1, the angel showed John the river of the water of life. John said, it was flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. The river in the new city flows right directly from God's presence, and the water gives life. And this river is supposed to remind us of the Garden of Eden. The Bible begins in a garden, and it ends in a garden-like setting in the new city, in the new Jerusalem. Genesis 2.10 says, A river flowed out of Eden, and it divided and became four rivers, and it flowed all around the land, or flowed around the whole land. I think, likewise, this river from God's throne in the new Jerusalem will flow out and become many rivers and fill the city and the new earth with the life of God. Uh, Psalm 46 speaks prophetically of this river in the new Jerusalem. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Psalm 36 says, You give them to drink from the river of your delights, for with you is the fountain of life. So in the new city, in the new Jerusalem, we will have full and continual access to the life of God everywhere to drink in and to enjoy. Sin brings death. The devil will tell you that sin will lead to pleasure, but sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life, is eternal life. Sin brings death. God brings life, life abundant and to the fullness. I believe the highest human experience on this earth is to be filled with God's Spirit. Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians, to be filled up with all the fullness of God. And that filling can overwhelm and satisfy us and cause us to speak and to sing with great joy. But we long for a more continuous experience of all the fullness of God, don't we? I mean, we, we, we have wondrous experiences where we taste and know and enjoy God and we taste the filling of his spirit but we just we long for more and in the new city we will have that we will enjoy full and continuous access to the life of God next we will enjoy the incredible beauty of this great tree-lined boulevard with the river of life flowing through it this is something that John sees it's visually stunning and pleasing to the eye. Verse 2, the river runs down the middle of the main street of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, or some translations say on both sides of the river was the tree of life, and 
some think that this, the reference to the tree of life is actually a kind of a collective reference to many trees. But regardless, on, e- on either side of the river, it says, was the tree of life. I believe Ezekiel describes this in chapter 47, verse 1. I saw water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. And verse 7, and I saw a great number of trees along both banks of the river, and wherever the river flows, everything will flourish. Everything will flourish. You will flourish. We will flourish with the life of God in heaven. And John said the water is bright as crystal. It's clear, it's clean, it's brilliant. And it flows right from the throne of God. How many of you have ever seen a great dam, like the Hoover Dam or some other dam? For some reason, that's the image that came to my mind with this description of the river flowing out from under the, the throne of God or underneath the temple of God. And in these, uh, you see these great high dams, and there's this massive dam, and then at the bottom, there's this river flowing out from the bottom of the dam. Well, can you just imagine this massive, glorious, awesome throne of God and a beautiful, crystal clear river flowing out from under the throne? Down the main street of the New Jerusalem. You know, I just imagine the main street of the New Jerusalem. I mean, that's a, the New Jerusalem is a big place. We talked about that last week. And this river is going to flow right down the main street of the new city. And it's going to be lined with gorgeous, beautiful trees on both sides. What a sight. The next blessing of the new city, our bodies will not only, uh, will, will not only be healthy, but they will be imperishable, uh, indestructible, immortal in heaven. On either side of the river was the tree of life. The tree of life was a real tree in the Garden of Eden. And now it is here in the new city on the new earth. And the tree of life had the power of God in its fruit to enable a human body to live forever without deterioration. And if you recall from Genesis, after Adam Adam sinned, what did God say? He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. God would not permit that lest Adam live forever in a sinful fallen as a sinful fallen human being. But now this immense privilege is given to those who belong to Christ. Revelation 2:7 Jesus said to the one who overcomes or to the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. I think, and th- this is, this is uh, somewhat speculation, but I think it's uh, very likely that we will eat and that we will drink of the river of life and eat of the tree of life in heaven much as we now regularly celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord gave us tangible things, bread and wine, to remind us here and now that we are partakers of his very body 
and blood. And I think it's likely that we will eat and drink tangible things in heaven that help us more fully experience and enjoy the eternal life that God has given us. Another reason to believe we will actually drink water from the river of life and eat fruit from the tree of life in the new city is simply that there are countless verses in the Bible saying we will eat and drink in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told his disciples in Luke twenty-two thirty, 30, I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father has bestowed one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. I mean, feasting and eating and drinking are continually set before us as part of the blessings of life in the coming kingdom. Verse 2 goes on, the tree of life bears 12, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So this tree of life produces abundant fruit, a great variety of fruit, probably looking different, perhaps tasting different. And the fact that it yields fruit each month is at least a possible indication that heaven will have some kind of of time frame and maybe very similar to what we have here on this earth. Um, it yields fruit each month. It's, it's an indication that heaven will certainly not be some kind of boring, uh, unchanging monotony. It won't be just a static condition. Uh, Randy Alcorn points out that this is one of many indications that heaven will have days and months and a passage of time. Uh, in other words, we will not just be there in a happy, timeless state of mind where we have no idea if we just got there or if we've been there for thousands of years. Uh, this idea is sometimes based on the King James uh, translation of Revelation 10, 6, which says, and time shall be no longer. And a lot of us used to sing the song, when the roll is uh, called up yonder, and time shall be no more. Uh, but all, all the translations now, and even the New King James uh, versions, correct this to say there shall be delay no longer. It doesn't say there will be time no longer. So Randy Alcorn point, points out that the song Amazing Grace is biblically accurate when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun so we will literally live forever forever in immortal bodies days without end endless days john said the, whole, the world is passing away or this world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god will live forever We are going to partake of the tree of life and live forever. Next, in immortal, indestructible bodies. Next, society itself will be healed of all conflict and strife. John said the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. In the new earth, nations will not 
be in conflict. There will be no war between people groups. Isaiah 2.4 said they will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will no longer take up sword against nation nor train any more for war. In the new heaven, the new, new earth, there will, there will be no abuse of power, no aggression of one group of people against another. Everything in the new heavens and the new earth will be ran well for the blessing and benefit and the joy of all. Speaking of Christ, Isaiah said in, in chapter 9, verse 6, the government will rest on his shoulders. Under Jesus Christ, all nations, all people will live together in peace and harmony on the new earth. Next blessing in verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. You know, that verse really says it all, that phrase. I mean, it's such a short phrase, but is so all-encompassing about our experience in heaven. No longer will anything be accursed. The brokenness and misery that came on the earth and on us and on our human lives due to Adam's sin and our sin is massive. We feel that. We feel that every day. We live with the effects of that curse on our world. Uh, we see it in all the conflict in marriages and homes. We see it in the bitterness and hatred in human relationships. We see it in the conflict among nations. We see it in human bodies and minds and emotions. We see it in pain and disease and weakness and aging and dying. We see the curse in just the daily disappointments and frustrations of life, big and small. Well, in the new city, nothing will be accursed. In the new city, that will be gone forever. My Uncle Merwin taught me what a fallen world was when I was just a little boy. I was out at the farm with him in my grandma's kitchen, and someone dropped a quarter on the floor, and the quarter rolled under the refrigerator. And Uncle Merwin told me it rolled under the, under the refrigerator because we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. In heaven, quarters won't roll under refrigerators. And we might chuckle at that, but that is so profound. That simple lesson illustrates the fall, and it illustrates the blessing and the wonders of heaven Nothing big or small will go wrong in heaven. And I love the chorus, or the last uh, verse of Joy to the World, the Lord has come. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes, Jesus Christ comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. In the new heaven, in the new earth, no curses, all blessings forever. And ever hallelujah the next blessing unending enjoyment and worship of God verse 3 goes on but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him God is so worthy 
of your worship, of my worship. God is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our worship for all eternity. Revelation 5.12, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And John said in the next verse, and I heard every creature in heaven and earth saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. It's just like who can stop worship in heaven? Who can stop the praise in heaven? You just can't because worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is God and worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is him who sits on the throne and the Lamb. So in heaven, in the new city, regardless of how you might struggle with worship now, you will be overcome with awe and appreciation and an overwhelming desire to fall on your knees and worship him forever and ever. I mean, the cry of our heart should be now, and it certainly will be in heaven. Come, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt him. Let us praise him forever and ever. That will be what we experience in the new Jerusalem. R.C. Sproul said, Jacob's response to being in the house of God was, how awesome is this place? Sproul said, many people do not feel that way in church. And that's a problem. That's a problem. There is no sense of awe, no sense of being in the presence of God, no sense of being in the presence of one who makes us tremble. And then he he concluded his remarks by saying this, people in awe never complain that church is boring. Think about that. And people in awe will never complain that heaven is boring. People in awe of God now will never think that heaven even might be boring. Because no one will ever be bored in heaven because we will be in such awe of God. And our worship will also include works of service. You know, the word worship Uh, makes us think only of singing or bowing down before God. But uh, the word used for worship in this uh, passage, it means to minister or to serve, which certainly includes singing and praise and adoration and bowing down, but it includes more. The New American Standard, the NIV, uh, King James, other translations all say, and his servants will serve him. It, this is the same word that Paul used in Romans 1.9 when he said, God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel. So again, we tend to think of worship only as singing or bowing down, and we, and we will do that, but we will have responsibilities, missions, assignments from God Just as Adam and Eve were to tend the Garden of Eden, uh, they were to name the animals, care for, and rule over the earth, I believe we will have works of service to do in the new earth. And we will do it all as an act of worship 
to our God. We will serve the Lord with gladness and with great joy. We will do everything that we do there out of worship or in a spirit of worship. Next, we will know God intimately and personally. Verse 4 says, we will see his face or his servants will they will see his face amazing statement uh, psalm i believe it's 85 85 11 says the upright will behold his face in the bible the face is the essence of a person our faces have the unique capacity to express all that is going on inside of us. You can talk on the phone, uh, you can send a text or an email, but still the most personal and intimate communication is face-to-face. And that's why uh, Paul used this expression in the New Testament. He told the uh, Thessalonian believers our desire to see, your face, to see you face-to-face was intense. We wanted to see you face-to-face because that's the best way. That's the best way to know you, to fellowship, to be with you. In a real sense, our faces are us. To have God's face shine upon us is to have God shine upon us. Uh, to say that we see God's face means that we are close to him it means ultimate fellowship with god it means really knowing and enjoying god right up close last week i said that i believe a desire to to see the glory of god is the longing of every true child of god i i think likewise the desire to see God. The desire to see the face of God is the longing of every true child of God. And when we see his face, then we will say, in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forever. I mean, to see the face of God will fill us with um, pleasure and joy like nothing we've ever experienced before. The next blessing is we will be marked as God's treasured possession forever. Verse 4, and his name will be on their foreheads. What do you put your name on? Well, you put your name on things that matter to you. Things that you value, uh, things that you want to keep. God values his people. You matter to God. He will put his name right on your forehead. What an honor. What a glorious honor. Malachi 3, chapter 3, verse 17. We share this at our life group a lot. It says, They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day when I prepare my treasured possession. You will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You are God's treasured possession if you know and belong to Christ. And he will distinguish you as one of his righteous ones for all the ages to come by putting his name 
right on your forehead. What, what a privilege, what a status we will have in the new Jerusalem. Next, next blessing, verse 5, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. There won't be any night in heaven because the light of God's glory never goes out. Whenever you go into the new city or on the new earth, uh, God's glory will shine upon you. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The Lord himself will rise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Amazing. Amazing. I, I believe, I think that's telling us that in our resurrection bodies, we will actually glow or shine with the glory of God. Wow. Haven't you always wanted to do that? Finally, the final blessing we're going to look at this morning is we will reign forever and ever, or we will rule over areas of responsibility on the new earth. Verse 5 says we will reign forever and ever. You know, again and again, And again, we are reminded that positions of glory and and authority and honor are in our future. Uh, Now, we may just blot those out. We may just kind of read over those and, and not even hear what they say or not see what they say, but they are there. Those promises are there. Daniel 7, 27 says, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the saints of the Most High or to the people of the saints of the Most High. Wow. Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. Well, when, what is, what's, when's the renewal of all things? Well, that's, that's going to be the new heavens, the new earth. Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And you might say, well, that was said to the disciples. They're going to sit on thrones. Well, Jesus essentially said the same thing to the church. Revelation 3.21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me. Where? On my throne. As I also conquered and have sat down with my father on his throne. Amazing stuff. If we open our eyes and listen and read what it says, Revelation 2.26, or 2.26, Jesus said to the one who overcomes, I will give authority over the nations. Wow. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? How many don't know that? <laughs> probably, a lot, probably a lot of us. It says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? And the word judge here, uh, in context, uh, seems to mean more to govern or to make decisions about matters. Because Paul's point in this passage that if the saints will have such positions 
to, dis- to decide matters or such positions of authority in the world to come, they certainly ought to be capable of settling everyday mat- matters here in the church. That's his line of, of reasoning. When we went through 2 Timothy here recently, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11, it says, if we persevere in faith, if we endure, we will live and reign with Christ forever. Uh, Legionnaire Ministries uh, put out a wonderful commentary on this verse, and I'm going to read it for you. It says, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm missing a page of my notes, excuse me. <laughs> this, quote, this quote is so good, I hated to start part of it and not be able to finish it. They put out a wonderful commentary on this verse. It says, We may not often think of ourselves as kings and queens who will rule over creation. But this consequence of our redemption flows directly from who the Lord made us to be and what salvation accomplishes in repairing his broken images. God made us to have dominion over creation and to rule it for his glory. The truth that we are kings and queens in Christ is not some idea conjured up to boost our self-esteem, but a present reality that we will enjoy in its fullness at the resurrection of the dead. Wow. Again, I mean a lot of a lot of these things all I can just say is it's amazing. It's stunning. It, it's life-changing, mind-changing, life-changing. You know, when I was wrapping up my study on, on this, uh, I actually thought of the verse in 1 John where the Apostle John said, Behold, what kind of love is this that we should be called the children of God? And I thought we could also add, what kind of grace is this that we should rule and reign with Christ? That people like us should have such position, literally as kings and queens in the world to come, to reign with Christ in in his heavenly kingdom. What kind of grace is this? What kind of love is this? that Christ would share his throne with people like you and me. The Bible says we will reign with him. We will reign with him forever and ever. So, the joy and the beauty and the privileges of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem will stun us and amaze us through all eternity. And that, that is why that is the primary reason why we count ourselves blessed 
and happy now. That's why we rejoice and leap for joy because so great is our reward in heaven. We're supposed to enjoy these future blessings now by filling our heart and our mind with them, by contemplating them, by rejoicing in them. And I trust that this will make a, an, an everlasting difference in your mind, your attitude, your emotions, and your level of hope. Let's pray.